So with all that in mind, uh, be sure to uh, read the, the bulletin that we have, and uh, let's remember these people in our prayers. Bow with me as we go to God together in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We're thankful, Father, that we're able to uh, be out this morning and worship you together here in the building. Father, it's things like this that, that, we, that we take for granted and, and we just, uh, just didn't realize that, uh, that we could be split apart the way that we have been for so long of meeting together. And, and Father, we need to be together and we just we pray that that will continue. We pray, Father, for our, our country. We pray, Father, for the vaccine, and, and we pray, Father, that, uh, that we will get over this virus throughout the world. And, and Father, we just pray that, that you'll help us to do our part. And, and Father, to remember those who are in need and, and, and the good works that we're seeing, uh, the people helping each other who are in need and, and, and trying to feed people. And there are just, just so many good things coming from this, Lord. And, and, and we just pray that we could keep that, uh, keep that attitude for forever. Father, we're thankful here at Rome that we have a pantry. We're thankful for those who work in it and, and for those, Father, who are involved and bring food. And, and we're just blessed that we're able to help uh, in, in a small way. Father, we pray that you'll be with us this morning as we set our minds on worshiping you. And, and Father, not to think about what's going on in our world we just, Father, want to focus on you and, and serve you because we know that that's, that's our duty, Father. We uh, pray for all those who are mentioned here this morning. We pray for those, Father, who are in the hospital. We uh, pray for those who are hurting at home for our shut-ins. And, Father, those who are uh, having cancer treatments, whatever it may be, we, ask, we just ask your blessings on them. Be with Chris as he brings us another lesson. Forgive us, Father, when we fall short in what you'd have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, let's stand for our first song. It's number 866. 866. Hopefully I can get the screen working so I can see what's going on. Yeah, there it is. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. First, second, third, and last verses. Each day I'll do.
This morning's reading comes from Matthew 9, 35, I'm excuse me, man, I should have, Thirty-five through thirty-eight. Matthew nine, thirty-five through thirty-eight. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching, preaching the gospel in every kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to the to his disciples. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray for therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Let us pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we are thankful for this day, for this opportunity to come here and study your word. Father, we are so thankful for men like Chris and David that stand before us on a daily basis and bring us your word. 
Father, we ask that you watch over and bless them and their families. Father, we hope everything said and done here this morning is in accordance to thy will and pleasing to thy sight. Father, we thank you for all the things that you do for us. We ask that you bless this church, its elders, its deacons, that they may turn to you and that you may guide them in the way that you want us to be according to your will. Father, we thank you for Jesus and the love that he had for us and the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And if this morning, if somebody has not obeyed your will, that the day may be that day that they put you on and baptize him and become a member of your church. It's all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our next song is number 950. 950, Lamb of God. Your only son knows and delights, but you have sent him from your side to this Lord's Day, we come together to remember the death and the burial and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, our Savior. I'll be reading this morning from, uh, from parts of John chapter 19 and 20. And I'll start with John chapter 19, verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, So they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Verse 40. 
So they took the body of Jesus and bowed it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so, as she wept, she she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and she did not know that it was Jesus. Will you bow as we give thanks for the bread? Our Holy Father in heaven, we come before you this morning, surrounding this table, mindful and thankful for the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Father, we are so thankful for the gift of Jesus, for him coming to this earth and and living as we live and and dying a very uh, cruel death. Father, we ask your blessing upon this bread, which as we take it, it represents the body that was broken upon the cross. We pray that you would be with each of those who take this bread and, and bless each one. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let us give thanks for the fruit of thine. Our Father, we are so thankful. And and in this time that we have to remember the death of your Son, Father, be with each of us. We're thankful for the blood that was shed, and we know that that blood still flows today, Father, and still cleanses, cleanses us from our sins. We ask you that you would be with each one who partakes of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Separate from our communion service, we... uh, have the responsibility to to give back a portion which we have been so richly blessed. And uh, if you haven't already, there are uh, small orange containers uh, in the back of the auditorium that you can deposit your, your, your funds. Will you bow with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for all the opportunities that you Bless us with, Father. Every day we we have so much, so much that we can't even comprehend or count, Father. And we ask your blessing upon each of us now as we give back a small portion of which we have been given. Father, we're also so mindful of, of many in our country and across the world, Father, that are are less fortunate, who today may be hungry or, or cold. We pray that you would Bless each of them and, and bless us in, in, in times in which we, we have an opportunity to, to be of help or service to others. Father, we pray that you would be with Clinton and Jerry and Gary, our elders, that you would bless each of them as they, they meet and decide how the funds will be distributed. We're thankful for all those who are in a capacity to to serve or, or lead our congregation. We're thankful for Chris and for Dave and their families, and we ask your blessing upon them. Father, be with our great country, bless it every day, and be with us throughout the rest of our service this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
If you would, let's stand. We'll sing number 213. 213. He took my burdens all away up to a bright be turning to Sustaining your faith, and if you feed it, it grows, right? If you feed your fear, it grows. If you feed your faith, it grows. And so all those parables have culminated in this this storm. And the disciples, who ought to have a good-sized faith by this point, they ought to be much more reliant on Jesus than they are at this point. They're in the middle of this storm, and they think, oh, we're about to die. And they look over Jesus and accuse him not even of caring about them, when obviously... He does. And so Mark in the first 
Mark in Mark 5, introduces to us three people that are in a storm of their very own. And we're going to deal with one of these today. We're going to deal with two of them next week, I hope. So as you meet Legion, this ought to be the most chilling scene, at least one of the most chilling scenes in the entire Bible. This guy is in the middle of a storm. I don't know that I can explain to you how bad his condition really is. If you've read through Mark 5, you begin to get an impression of this man's storm. He lives on his own, of course. He is driven from the city out into the tombs. So we shouldn't think like we would think of a graveyard. Don't think like that. He lives in a deserted place right on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. There's no town there, but there are caves there that have been etched out into the the, the, the face of the, the mountain cliff there. And in those caves is where they would bury their dead. He has taken up residence in those caves. It is a personal choice. You read through Mark chapter 5, you'll find out that nobody can make this guy do anything. He is far too powerful for them to subdue him. They've tried chains. They've tried shackles. I'm sure they started off with ropes. He has broken all of these. No, no man or no combination, com, combination of men can subdue this guy. Nobody is strong enough. No band is strong enough to stop him. And so he has chosen to live out in the tombs. Now, to a, gen, or to a Jewish audience, as they read through Mark chapter 5, this guy would have become, in their eyes... Very unclean. This would have given, this would have made their skin crawl. You ever heard a story or seen something that just kind of made your skin crawl and made you feel gross? And thought, you know, you got the, the goosebumps on your back and you sh- shivered maybe a little bit. This is what that story would have done to them. And it ought to do it to us too. Let me explain. He has an unclean spirit. If you mark in your, in your in scriptures, you might want to go back through and just mark some of these. And because you're going to hear that thought, unclean, come up four different times in this passage in Mark 5, in the first several verses even. So this guy, right off offset, I think it's in verse 1 or maybe verse 2, where it, Mark says, this guy has an unclean spirit. He's got a demon living inside of him. We know from later on in Mark that it's not just one demon. It's a legion of demons. A Roman legion held anywhere between three and 5,000, maybe 5,600 soldiers. So scholars think that there's somewhere around that many demons inside this one guy. This is a phenomenal case, right? How and why he has so many, nobody knows. But he does. Uh, but even one demon would have made you unclean. And you see that word here coming up in Mark. And to a Jew, that would have meant you don't keep this guy at arm's length. You put him in another country. Uh, He cannot be touched. He should not be talked to. This guy is unclean. He may not come into the temple to worship. He cannot even be around good, godly people. That's who this guy is. He's unclean. Second thing is, he lives in Gentile territory. Huge no-no. He himself is most likely a Gentile, though we're not told that specifically. He is from a place called the Decapolis. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But to a Jewish mind, this guy... He's got an unclean spirit. He lives with Gentile people. Not only that, even a bigger slap in the face is he lives near pigs. Now, there's an awful lot of Jewish history, especially during the intertestamental period where there's some some things going on with, with pigs that even more intensify the Jewish feeling towards this particular animal, but they, they just hate they hate it. It's unclean. God's law says it's unclean in Leviticus. And they cannot eat it. And if you touch it, you become unclean. Uh, but then through some things that are going on during the intertestamental period, between the time between Malachi and Matthew, um, this ruler comes in to take over Judea, and he offers a pig on God's altar to the false god Zeus. And so whenever a Jewish person in Jesus' day hears pig, all this sim- symbology, all this stuff starts coming up and he can begin to feel the bile rising in his throat. This would have made him very uncomfortable. Uh, the apostles were most likely 
sitting on pins and needles, you know, in this area. So this guy is, is unclean in, in kind of every way that you can fathom. Uh, he is unclean. And he's in the midst of a storm. This, this is uh, what his house would have looked like if, as he's looking down toward the Sea of Galilee. As Jesus approaches, he comes out of the cave, I'm assuming, and he, he runs down to the seashore and he throws himself. He prostrates himself. The word there uh, is prostrate. He kneels is what our English translations say, but the Greek word is prostrate. He throws himself down in front of Jesus' feet. And he says these words, which you've heard before from a demon in connection with Jesus. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. So it's not the first time a demon has said those words to Jesus. Ironically, in Mark, the demons know exactly who Jesus is, don't they? Who's in the dark, though? Who doesn't know who Jesus is? Well, the Pharisees don't. The common average Jew, they're kind of left in the dark, too, although they're beginning to get an inkling at this point that Jesus might be somebody special, you know? You don't have to listen to him for, teach for very long before you start thinking... This, this, this man's teaching something. He's teaching in a way that's unique. He's doing, he's doing things that are unique. But the Jews and, the, and the, the Pharisees, they don't understand exactly who Jesus is, although it's not a mystery to any of the demons. They know exactly who he is. And so it's just another way of Mark kind of poking fun, maybe, uh, at, at the Jewish mindset. He's right there in front of you. Why can't you see it? Even demons who aren't interested in him can see it. It's obvious to them. So this guy comes down, he throws himself at Jesus' feet, and he's begging Jesus uh, not to cast him out. He seems to think that maybe this is the end of the time, end of times, and Jesus has come here to finally give the, these demons their due. He's, his time now has come to, to be cast into hell forever, and that's where he's going to be chained, and it's now time for punishment. And the demon is begging Jesus not to do that right now. Of course, we know that, that that's not uh, the time. But Jesus is going to punish him nonetheless. So he runs out and he sees, uh, sees Jesus there. Standing on the beach. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? So Jesus asked the guy's name. He says, we're legion, for we are many. In verse 10, he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. And so Jesus comes up with a compromise, apparently. And there are some pigs standing off the shore. Again, this is near Israelite territory. So this would have been a very big slap in the face uh, to the Jews of the area. And so Jesus deals with two problems at once, the swine and the demons. And he sends the demons into the swine. And they run off the hillside and kill uh, the swine. And, and I'm assuming the demons are then cast back into hell um, where they are chained and, and uh, punished. And so this story ought to just kind of make us uneasy. Uh, it, it should make us, like it should make our skin crawl. The, the storm that this guy is in the middle of um, just ought to make us uneasy. He's gone through an incredible amount of pain. Um, he has been notorious for running around the cliff sides, gashing himself with rocks. So when you picture this guy in your mind as he runs toward Jesus, his beard is unkempt, his hair is unkempt, it's long. Uh, he's not wearing any clothes and his body is covered in bruises and cuts. And he's crying out all the time. In this particular instance, he's crying out to Jesus. This man is in incredible pain. You see a storm? Mark is painting an incredibly poignant picture for us here of what the storm in this man's life would have looked like. But also, what kind of reception Jesus was given. Do you remember when the storm back at the end of Mark chapter 4 happened? The apostles were in the middle of the boat and they were terrified, right? And then they run to Jesus, they wake him up, and he calms the storm. And then what happened? What was their reaction to Jesus? They were even more scared of him 
than they were of the storm, right? You ever not gotten the reaction you thought you would get? I think that's where Jesus is in this boat. I don't know what he expected. He's God, so I'm sure he could see the future and see how they were going to react. But if I'm in his place, you would think that they would respect him, that this would lead to faith. In fact, in John chapter 20, 30, and 31, that's why Jesus did the miracles, to enact faith in people. But he doesn't enact faith in the disciples. It kind of hits a brick wall, and they don't go any farther with it, at least not yet. They will after his resurrection. All this stuff will start sinking in. But it's interesting that in Mark 5, after Jesus heals this demoniac, after he heals Legion, casts out the demon, the people had been afraid of Legion, right? They had been terrified of him. But after Jesus casts out the demon, they were even more scared of Jesus than they were of Legion. And in fact, they plead with Jesus to leave their, their region. This miracle that had been designed to enact faith in people actually did the opposite. Why is that? Go back to the parable of the soils, right? Their hearts weren't in the right spot. And so when they saw truth, they pushed back, right? You see how this ties in together? It's, Mark is so well, like, obviously it's scripture, but it's so intricately woven together. It's, it's really beautiful how he illustrates all this stuff. And so... On the board behind me, you see the region of the the Decapolis. This this is a a ten-city league. Uh, And so think of this more like the United States. Uh, There's individual regions in this area that are highlighted uh, for you there. But these guys all kind of work together. Apparently, Legion, the the, the, the demoniac man, uh, is from one of these ten cities, the Decapolis. Because after Jesus heals him, what does he want to do? He wants to come with Jesus. And so you see his reaction to Jesus too, right? The people saw Jesus, saw the miracle, should have been, Jesus, come talk to us more, right? That's not what they do. They see the miracle and they push back because their hearts weren't, weren't in the right spot, right? The demoniac sees the miracle is cured of his storm and immediately wants to be with Jesus. In fact, he's now begging Jesus to let him come along with him. While at the same time, the people are begging Jesus to leave their area. See how it works? Uh, It's just incredibly interesting here the way Mark lays this out for us. Jesus does not allow the demoniac's request. It's the one request that he denies in all of Mark chapter 5. Isn't that interesting? The one request, the one thing anyone asks him in the entire chapter of Mark 5 is the only time that he denies it is this man. When the, uh, when the demons ask to be sent into the swine, what does Jesus say? Go. When the people demand that Jesus leave their area, what does he do? He leaves. When this man who wants to follow him pleads with the Jesus to allow him to follow him, what does he do? He says, no. Why? That seems kind of productive, right? So why does he tell this guy to go into the region of the Decapolis and tell everyone what he's done for him? We're in Gentile territory now. When we're in Jewish territory, in Mark, especially in Mark, but when we're in Jewish territory, in Mark, Jesus says, don't tell anybody because the crowds are growing and growing and he can't get done what he wants to get done. There's not a city big enough to hold all of Jesus' followers in, in um, Jewish territory. In Gentile territory, though, very few people have heard of him, and he needs more missionaries. And so he sends this guy out into the Decapolis to tell them what all Jesus has done for him. Now, did this guy go? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. But history does. This is, this is where history and the Bible meet, right? And this is interesting. So, 300 years after this event, there are churches in the region of the Decapolis. So it looks like this guy probably did his job and probably did it really well. All that to say, what's this mean to us? What should I be doing in the midst of my storm? Right? This Mark 4 and 5 is all about growing your faith. What do you do in the midst of a storm? How do you grow your faith in the midst of a storm? How does this guy do it? 
Well, at the end of Mark 5, he goes out and he starts evangelizing. Pretty simple, right? He goes out and he starts evangelizing. He starts telling everyone he can find about what Jesus has done for him. The scripture Dickie read for you this morning, Matthew chapter 9, 35-38, is from a different episode than, uh, than, this, than this story. It's from a different time in Jesus' life. But I think it paints for us a picture of what's really going on here with the demoniac and his evangelism. Jesus says, The fields are white for harvest, in Matthew 9, 35-38, right? And the prayer there is that God will send out more workers because the work is too great for the small number of people that are set to it. That's our responsibility here, is to go out and tell them, the lost world, what Jesus has done. Every day, every time. That's what we do. We're God's people. We share His message with the lost world who are in the midst of storms, who are in the midst of pain, who are being beaten and harassed, like Matthew 9 says, without a shepherd to protect them. We offer the shepherd. We say, hey, we know someone who can protect you, who wants to save you. Will you allow it? Where's your heart at? Will you allow this, this salvation? Let me tell you a little bit more about them. That's our responsibility. And so this morning, maybe you're in the midst of a storm. Maybe you're struggling. And you just need the prayers of this congregation to hold up in the midst of your storm. We want to aid you in that. Maybe you've not been baptized and, we, and you're looking for salvation. That only comes through the power of baptism. That's not something I can do. That's not something you can do on your own. You have to be obedient to God's commands. And the way he said to be saved is to be immersed for the purpose of forgiveness of your sins. And so maybe that's your need this morning. If it is, the normal, obvious response to being let out of your storm, to being saved, is evangelism. You see that with the demoniac here. He was cured of his storm. He was released from the literal demons that were ravaging his life. We have metaphorical demons. We have sin that's ravaging our lives. But the response, the normal response, that when we are set free from that is to tell everyone we meet how they can too can be set free from that. And so if you have that need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing.
Before we sing our uh, last song, Gary gave me a couple more announcements that were missed. Um, Myra Bowling, this is the niece of Joe Galloway and Linda Wheeler, uh, has cancer, so please keep her in your prayers. Uh, also, um, Hazel Brazell's sister passed away, so please keep that family in your prayers. Um, also, while I'm up here, might as well say it myself, uh, thank you for the prayers for Miranda and baby Landon. Um, it wasn't an easy birth, so they really helped. And I know Chris had a picture of him for the announcements, but we couldn't get him up. But Uncle Sai has pictures if you want to see. Uh, just throwing it out there if you want to see him. I don't have a lot, but I know Mom still... They got their first sleepless night last night, and so Mom's getting him probably right now while she's watching. So, um, our, our last song uh, this morning is number 888. Thank you, Lord. 888. Thank you, Lord, for loving me, and thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for making me old and saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let us all with one voice sing praises to Christ the Lord. this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you. Thank you so much for saving our souls. Father, for taking us from the power of sin and, and redeeming us, Father, through the blood of your Son, Jesus. And Father, for the stories and the, the, the stories that are in the Bible that we've heard this morning of what you've done and what your Son has done for those of this world and and how did you too take care of us and, and take care of them and how we should tell others that you've done that for us. Father, we do pray that you will bless us to do that every day of our lives. Help us to do a good day, a good deed each day as we sang this morning. Help us to, to get out of ourselves, Father, and into to more things besides ourselves. This disease that's been here so long uh, this year, the past year, has caused us to go kind of into ourselves, Father, and, and not be a part maybe of others in our lives other than those maybe we work with or go to school with but help us help us to to reach out father father we do thank you so much that you did bless miranda with a new baby and her family and we pray that you'll continue to to bless them with with health and <clears throat> and success father in their family life <clears throat> and father we do pray your your blessings on hazel brazil and david shriver's family and and father the Zimmermans and some others, Father, that we've lost this past month or so. And we pray that you'll bless them and give them the peace and the comfort that they need in dealing with those deaths, Father. And, Father, for those dealing with COVID, we still pray your blessings on them, that they will continue to improve and no more deaths, Father, will, will come from that disease as, as the vaccines and things are progressed. Father, we do pray that you will be with those who are fighting cancer, and, Father, with Rusty and with Kristen and with Hank and, and with Father, we're thankful that Dottie has received the report that she's received uh, being cancer-free. And, Father, for Bob Payne and others, Father, that are dealing with it, we, we thank you for the blessings that, 
they've received also. Father, so many things are available now through, through the doctors and, and those who've learned new ways of dealing with this. We, we just thank you so much that it gives us more life, Father, to serve you. And Father, we pray for Jim Haney, that you'll bless him as he has his, his procedure this week. Carol Galloway, that you'll bless her to overcome the infection that she has. Uh, for Steve Smith's mother, that you'll continue to bless her. And Beverly Edwards, Father, that you'll continue to help her to improve. For Larkin Dunphy, uh, Father, we just pray that you'll bless them. Father, for those who are shut in, uh, Frank and Jenny Garlic and Jim and Margaret and others, Father, we just, we just pray that you'll continue to help each one of them as well. Help them to know that we're thinking about them and praying for them. And Father, we do thank you for um, everyone here this morning. For the young children, Father, for, for the young adults, for the senior citizens, Father, we just thank you that we're all able to be together, and we just pray that you'll bless us this week. Father, forgive us when we fail you, and forgive us when we have failed you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>